This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello there, Internet. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 123, for Monday, October the 7th, 2013. We are one week out from The Walking Dead Season 4. It's very exciting. I cannot wait. I think it's going to be the best season so far. Only a week. Only one week. Only well, one week. You know, remember when this started, it was... Uh, it was a very long time indeed. Less, now it's a very short time indeed. In fact, it's less than a week because, you know, it's Monday evening already and it's going to be on on Sunday, uh, which is six days from now. So six days. Get ready, everybody. It's coming soon. Next weekend is Canadian Thanksgiving. It was um, it was uh, nice of them to schedule the season four premiere on our long weekend uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, we get Monday off. We do, so we can spend all day rewatching the premiere and then podcasting about it, right? Outstanding. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, Jason, let's get into our show. We have a big one here. The first thing I want to do is ask you if there's anything you're afraid of, though. Anything that I'm afraid of? Anything in particular you're afraid of that just chills you to the bone? Uh, minotaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, I, I think the minotaurs are uh, extremely frightening. Well, today is National Face Your Fears Day. Oh, okay. Well, I do not want to face a minotaur. So what you need to do is go find a minotaur and stand up to it and stare it down. That that wouldn't happen. I would. Uh, I've I've known this for a long time, but if I was ever to meet a minotaur face to face, I would turn around poop in my pants and then run as fast as I can. Ooh, you don't want to it's you don't want to run as fast as you can with pants full of crap. Well, no, but you know, it's a it's a kind of a, a fight or fright or fright or flight kind of mentality. You remember when uh, uh Han Solo uh you know, pretended he was junk when he was trying to get away from the empire? I do. Because he knows that the uh the the, the empire ships will get rid of all their garbage before they uh jump to light speed. Uh, that's that's the exact same mentality. That's the same will, thing, eh? I will void my bowels to clear up, uh, you know, movement so that I can uh, I can hightail it out of there. All right. That's a normal body response. The body is not uh, normally geared towards you know having pants on. <laughs> it, it's trying to get rid of this stuff. It's not just trying to <laughs> slow you down or make you gross. But that's uh, that's the mentality. Got it. So it's trying to make you lighter so you can run away faster. That's right. Get away from the Minotaur because, oh my God, it's a Minotaur. Well, I, I can see that. So not zombies, skeletons, ghouls, or anything like that. Minotaurs are your thing. I have a some kind of fighting chance against zombies, skeletons, or ghouls, but uh, Minotaur, uh, man, it's the head of a bull. That's true. That's true. I'm, there's no way. There's just no way. You probably couldn't outrun one either, so... No, I'm pretty much hooped. That's why I would void my bowels because any <laughs> advantage I could, uh, I could get, even the smallest advantage, I would take... Uh, I would take advantage of that. All right. Well, it's National Face Your Fears Day, so everyone out there, if you're afraid of something, or minotaurs or otherwise... Well, uh, you're not getting off that easy. What are you afraid of? You know, uh, I'm, I am I don't like spiders, but that's pretty typical. I used to be kind of afraid of flying, but I got over that. Right. So I don't even need Face Your Fears Day. Now, I don't want to belittle any people who are genuinely afraid of flying. I clearly did not have a serious phobia of it because I was able to sort of logic and reason my way out of it, and now I'm, I don't like flying. And turbulence frightens me, especially if it's bad turbulence. 
but um, I don't, like I can get on a plane and I can travel places. So I don't really when count you, that as a fear. When you're driving your car yeah, and you go over bumps in the road, are you afraid? Not even a little bit. Okay, that's the same thing as turbulence. Yeah, that's what I mean. I can I can logic and reason my way out of being afraid to get on an airplane. But uh, I, the one thing I can't get over is that, you know, going over a bump in the road, you're still on the road. So if you, you know, go over a bump and you blow a tire, you know, unless you are going way, way, way too fast, you're probably going to be okay. But if that plane, you know, loses an engine because it went over a bump, you're probably in bad shape. Okay, well, you know, having going over a bump in the air... The air is still holding up the plane. I get it. Like it's the same. It's the same. Same logic. You know, going over a bump in the road is not going to cause your uh, your engine to blow. I understand, but you know, it's I'm I I I can logic and reason my way out of being a fear yeah. of flying. Okay. Not yeah. entirely. Like ninety five percent, I can. It's that other five percent that makes me really really dislike the trip. You, you know that uh, airliners can do like loop-de-loops and barrel rolls and stuff, right? Well, barrel roll, maybe. I don't know that a 747 can do a loop. Yeah, that'd be pretty <laughs> it, tough. It, it would need an awful lot of altitude. And I don't know that it has the thrust-to-weight ratio. But what do I know? We need my brother-in-law here. He's Mr. <laughs> Aviation. All right. I'll ask him. I'll get back to you on that one. Um, anyways, go face your fears today, and uh, you'll feel better about it. Okay. Ho- hopefully. Um, really briefly, it's Walker Stalker Con coming up in three weeks. Three weeks. Yep. That's coming up soon, man. November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We are going to be there. And instead of doing our normal Walker Stalker Con sort of update this weekend, we've got something special for you right now. Joining us now are the Walker Stalkers themselves, James and Eric. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm honored to be on your show. I mean, I was listening to you guys before I even ever knew we were going to do a podcast. So this is this is a treat. And I am honored as well. It's well, good to be on with you, Chris. Well, it's exciting to have you here. And uh, you guys are just uh, killing it down there. You're doing great, great work. Now, you've only been recording your show for not even a year at this point, right? That's right. It was Yeah, like- we, we started in late December, Something like right around Thanksgiving is when we started our first podcast, and it was it was <laughs> not very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've been doing this for uh, about four years now. This this particular podcast and some other ones before that, and sometimes I feel like it's not very good either. So <laughs> that's just the way it goes. But um, I, you know, so we're going to talk a little bit about Walker Stalker Con and the thing, uh, you know, the big convention you're putting on. And, you know, I thought I'd ask you why you decided to put a convention on, but that seemed silly because you're obviously huge fans of The Walking Dead and all this sorts of stuff. So instead of that, um, you know, considering you've been podcasting for not even a year now, tell me sort of when you first got the idea to do this. And, and was it always kind of part of the plan when you were launching the podcast or did it come later? And how did it all come together? Before time began, this was in the plan. <laughs> no, how did this begin, James? What, 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 I, how did we come up with this idea? I, I think what happened was that um, we had our, our finale party, uh, what Easter Sunday, and we knew right then that we were going to do a premiere party. Mm-hmm. But um, I had the opp- opportunity at our finale party to get to know Daniel Thomas May, who plays Alan on The Walking Dead, and right. he and I have become friends and. I've kind of helped him with some convention stuff. 
And I helped him with a convention in Orlando, I think in May. It was like, yeah, Memorial Day weekend or something. And I'm sitting there going, man, I'm like, I don't know why I said this, but like, I can do this. I said, (laughs) I could put one of these on. And the relationships that we've we've formed with everybody on the show, I'm like, I I bet we can, if we do it in Atlanta, we can get a bunch of them to come. And I told Eric this, and he thought I was nuts, but – He's always <laughs> nuts <laughs> and and keeps going along with me on these things because, you know, even our trip to Sonoy, the first time we before we even did a podcast to go watch show, I'm like, we got to get before in the morning. So I, I always come up with these crazy ideas, but um, <laughs> there's a pattern and it, I need to break the pattern. But so far, it's been good for us. Yeah. So <laughs> I can see that conversation going like, hey, I've got this crazy idea. Yeah. But but let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we it's it's only going to cost like one hundred eighty thousand dollars to pull this thing off. <laughs> Jeez, is, is that all? So, like, come on. <laughs> so let's so let's go for it. And I think Eric's quit two or three times so far, and I keep reeling him back in. I'm like, give me another week, and we'll get Norman Reedus. Give me another week, and we get Norman Reedus. And so I, man, I tell you, this guy just keeps pulling me along and and dragging me, dragging me through it, but. Um, you know, at first it was just the podcast was a lot of work right? and, and, but it was just, it was just, we were having a great time. I mean, this is the kind of fun that you should have at the, you know, at the age that we're at right now, you know, in our (laughs) lives. And I think it helps, it helps that he's like eight years younger than me. So he kind of keeps me young. Sure. And, um, and he's just, you know, so it's been, it's been a great partnership. Um, you know, I kind of handle, a lot of the technical side of things, the production side, and and he kind of comes up with the harebrained ideas, and somehow we come together and and make a crazy mm-hmm. show, yeah. and then it now we're doing this con. So eight years younger, that's the youthful enthusiasm, I guess, to keep it all going. I sound younger. <laughs> I sound much younger than him. But I don't even. I never think of you as older than me, though. So yeah. Well, you look much older than me right now. I know. Got a massive beard. I've got like... my Di- Duck Dynasty beard going on. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, do either of you guys have a, a history in event planning, or was this all like? Just a sh- shot in the dark. You kidding me? My <laughs> wife didn't even let me touch the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I know. I you know. I know. I think if I was doing something like this, it'd always be in the back of my mind. What if this doesn't work? What if it's a huge failure? Do you guys ever worry about that? Not that Every it will day. be, but <laughs> Every day we're going. What are we missing? What do we got to work on? What do we got to do to make sure this thing is just awesome? Because really the plan was to do one, but everybody's begging for a Walker Stalker Con in their city or their country. And it's just like, well, we can probably do this again, but we really want to make this first one just <laughs> yeah. spectacular. And, and I'll just say fear is a good motivator. Yes, right. Because we are, af- <laughs> I wake up afraid that this is going to fail. Yes. You know, and I think. So far, it's looking like it's not going to be a failure at all. It's no. going to be an amazing event. But still, there's so much logistics and so much that we have to plan for. It is worse than planning a wedding. And then on top of that, you've got the fear of, oh, my gosh, we got to make sure the celebrities are taken care of. And, and happy. And happy. And the attendees are happy. And the volunteers. And, and you know, we just want to make it a great experience for everybody. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's always that fear that we're going to forget something. And that's a good motivator. Did you, did you consult with anybody else that's sort of done this before to help, you know, to help you figure out how to deal with the celebrities and what they needed and, and stuff like that? 
Yeah, we, we've had some great help from some people who have actually ran conventions before cool. giving us their input. But then also a lot of the management for these actors are great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just, I'll just, they know that we're just fans and we're just trying to put on the ultimate fan convention. So I, me asking them questions like, Hey, I, you know, we haven't done this before. So what, you know, what will Lauren Cohen like, you know, it, what is she expecting? And, and just, asking the question instead of just guessing mm-hmm. uh, has been a, a huge help. And unfortunately, management for all these people are great to work with. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, the guest lineup is is amazing so far. You know, does it it must feel pretty good to have such a great turnout in your first year. It it does. And, and you know, it's like, can we replicate this? Probably not. And I haven't slept very well the last two, three nights because we got some awesome news and I think we would like to, to share it with you so you, that nobody knows. Sure. Well, I guess we'll, we'll break this on your show. I don't, well, let's, let's, I don't even know it. I'm excited. Well, we, you know, we should say who we have first. Right. Already announced. Uh-huh. So why don't you kind of run through the lineup of who, who's, who's coming to Walker's well, Talk. The easiest way now to do it is just to go, we have everybody except for Chad Coleman Stephen Yoon, and we don't have Emma Kinney during the day, but we have everybody else. And we don't, yeah. Oh, and we don't have David Morrissey. Right, right. But we left the name out. There's one name that I was just going to say that I don't think you have. Yes. And that would be... uh, You want to say it? No, you say it. (laughs) Oh, me say it? Yeah, do it. (laughs) Andrew Lincoln will be at Walker Stalker Con on Saturday. That is amazing. It is amazing. He has never done... A convention in this fashion. He's gone to cons, New York, San Diego, but those are kind of AMC draws him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been looking for a way that we could have him come, and we certainly asked from the very beginning. It's been months of asking mm-hmm. him to come. We knew it was, you know, unlikely that he would come since he's not come to many uh, regular cons like ours. Um, and yeah, it just seemed like the right opportunity for him at the right thing for him to do. Right. You know, it mm-hmm. just it's it's totally right on with the with the way when we met him for the first time uh, at at on the, the set of The Walking Dead last year. He just was so gracious. You know, he's just a gracious man, uh, very kind, still in his accent because he was on set, you know, acting, speaking like Rick Grimes and uh, but just took the time to run into the coffee shop and hang with everybody for five minutes, sign autographs take pictures, and uh, that's what we're really excited about. Andy's doing this, too, just really to thank the folks of Atlanta for all their generosity, for you know letting the show being filmed there. So we are, we are thrilled and honored that he decided to come. That's fantastic. It's kind of like a hometown thing, I guess, because it's in Atlanta and they're all there, and you're going to have a lot of locals there and stuff. It's going to be a real sort of hometown family type affair, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when we when we started doing this, we really didn't expect m- maybe to get more than one or two of the main cast. I mean, we re- we we were pretty sure we we could get a lot of the secondary type cast members, but as far as main cast goes, we just we weren't very confident. We really felt like right off the bat too, we weren't going to be able to get Norman Reedus. Mm-hmm. We tried, and, and actually, initially, we're not successful. But I think the biggest thing is we've just been persistent in, in just reminding them, hey, this is a great event. It's put on by fans. It's for fans. It's local. It's easy. You know, we, we want you there. And, mm-hmm. and I think they catch the vision 
of, of what we're trying to do, and they're excited about it. Yeah, I think that's the key, too. James is very good with the publicists, with the managers, everybody that he deals with, he kind of does, takes care of booking booking the um, the artists, uh, the actors, and uh, and celebrities, and cast for the um, the show itself, for our podcast, and then also just kind of took on that role for the con, and, um, you know, it, it's just the way he deals with everybody, I think, is really also a good thing in addition to the persistence yeah for sure well you know all these people they know i mean they do the bigger cons i've been to the new york comic-con twice now and uh, it's fantastic but it is sort of impersonal because it's so large and uh it's difficult to to really meet anyone or get up close and personal personable with anybody and you know, at something like this, I think it's probably going to be a little bit easier. And, yeah. you know, one of the things I've noticed and been really impressed with is just the variety of autograph and photo ops you guys are doing and offering people. And because it's not going to be, you know, 100,000 people like New York or even bigger like San Diego, everyone I feel like is going to get more of a chance to to have access to these people and meet them and say, you know, you're I'm, I'm a huge fan or whatever they want to say. Yeah, we, we've really tr we've really tried to set up unique opportunities to meet the actors on more than one occasion. So it's not just the photo, it's not just the autograph. We've got the meet and greets on both Friday night and Saturday night. Mm -hmm. That way, if somebody's there Friday or if somebody there's there, is there Saturday, you you get to catch them both ways. Um, and, and those meet and greets, you know, we're not letting cameras in. We're not letting you get autographs in these meet and greets. It's really strictly so you can go in. And just chill out with them and talk and, you know, buy them a drink mm -hmm. and, and and really, really, you know, spend an hour, hour and a half with these actors and not feel like, you know, I've got to wait my turn or, you know. And that's not open to everybody. Those are VIP yes. meet and greet. So the yeah. seats, seats are, you know, people are, tickets are very limited to that. Yeah. So I mean, when, when you think you've got, you know, on the Saturday night meet and greet, you'll have 40 something actors in there and probably no more than 500 people. Right. I mean, that's that's one, you know, a 10, 10 to one ratio. You're going to get the chance to talk to just about anybody you want to. Those are good odds. Time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I guarantee it. The more drinks you buy, the, the more chances you'll get to talk to these actors. <laughs> uh, it, it, well, and also we should talk about the the lines, the way we're going to structure right. the lines mm -hmm. for the celebrities as well. So you'll there's there's going to be a. Um, a virtual queuing system that we're going to be setting up. Um, so when you arrive, after you check in, get your ticket or get your badge, you go and uh, you you sign up for the virtual queue, and that basically uh, signs gives you give them your text, your cell phone number, so you when you so you can get a text uh, during the time that you want you know that you want to meet the celebrity. So it'll be like, hey, I want to I want to meet so-and-so at one o'clock well you'll get a text 10 minutes before and beforehand hey it's time to go to your line and then you go to a special line that's for you know the people that have signed up for the virtual queue yeah and it's not going to be for all the actors but it's going to be for all the big ones right where, the ones where you can really expect lines. a long line right? that is such a good sounding system i was at our you know, our local um, sort of comic convention in the summer a couple months back here, and they were using a, like, an actual handout paper ticketing system that uh, they said you could go walk around and stuff, but it just didn't really work as well. And then people ended up standing in long lines for hours and hours, and it's just uh, it's just not as fun. So this sounds amazing. It's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because it's the first 
kind of line queuing system like this I've heard of. So mm-hmm. it's uh, hopefully hopefully it works out, but I'm sure it will. Hey, I, I mean, we hope it. The biggest thing, the biggest factor in the success of this will actually be just cell phone and Wi-Fi accessibility. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We've been told that like Verizon top notch. So if you got a Verizon, you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna have no problems. AT and T's really good too. Um, but I don't know about Sprint, but it's, but as long as you've got, um, you know, messages that, you know, your signal strong, you, you'll, you'll be able to get this. Um, but you'll still be able to do it the old fashioned way too. All the lines will have a standby. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you're set, dead set that you've got to meet that one person and you don't want to go off and, and miss them, um, you can stay in the regular old standby line. Yeah. I would advise you, I mean, if, if, for example, if you want to meet Norman Reedus, you might want to come on Sunday uh, yeah. and, and meet Norman Reedus on Sunday. You can come on Saturday, meet other guests, other mm-hmm. celebrities. But when, if you come on Sunday, you might have a better ch- a little bit of a better chance maybe to meet him. Um, I know faster, faster chance. Yeah. You'll, you'll get to meet him either day. Sure. Right? But um, I should say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if I'm going to the to the con, I'm on Saturday. I'm making sure I get to the people that I know there are Saturday only. And then whoever you know is there on Sunday, then hit those people on Sunday. For sure. Right. Yeah. So it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I should make sure to clarify that. It's a three-day yep. con. Three-day con. And speaking of cell phones, I better make sure I figure out my uh, – I'm, I'm coming down from Canada, of course. I better make sure I figure out my uh, roaming, <laughs> make sure I can get a text message down there, but I'm pretty sure I can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyone else international that's coming as well. Uh, should think about that. Do you guys know? Do you guys uh-huh. have a feeling of of how far people are coming, where they're coming from? Yes, and it's amazing. Um, we have people come from the UK, awesome. uh, Germ- Germany, uh, Brazil, Australia. Uh, wow, Australia is far away. Like That's Siberia. Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like um, we have people taking uh, like something really like odd, like like Kuala Lumpur or something like that. Geez. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, how far this thing is reaching. Yeah. We have zombies coming from all over the place. That is fantastic. <laughs> they will be zombies after flights like those lo- that long. Oh, <laughs> no kidding. No, kidding. Uh, no I mean, it's going to be on top of all of that, just not just meeting the celebrities. And I think obviously people are coming because they want to meet the celebrities. We have celebrities from other genres mm-hmm. of, of, you know, we've got horror genre celebrities. Um, in addition to all the Walking Dead actors we have, we've got uh, Kane Hodder from the Hatchet series and from Friday, Friday, Jason, Jason, Jason Friday, Friday the 13th. Friday 13th. Yeah. We've got uh, Danielle Harris from the Hatchet series and Halloween. Your yeah. favorite. Oh, we've got um, Giancarlo Esposito. That's from, huge. That's great. And a lot of people are excited about this. James watched two episodes of Breaking Bad. He watched the first episode of season one. He watched the last episode of season five. <laughs> oh, my God. That's not the right way What's to do that. that? <laughs> I can't believe he did that. No, I watched the first four of season oh, one okay. and oh. the last two of the last season. Okay. Wow. <laughs> there's I a whole... have time to watch Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, re- there's a whole chunk in the middle there that's really amazing. I I'm sure it's it. great. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Judith O'Day coming too i noticed from night of the living yes. dead yeah mm-hmm. i mean it, it, we're kind of we weren't able to get george romero so the next best thing was to get judith and, and get it where it starts sure. with the night of the living dead 
That's awesome. Well, the guest list is amazing, and I know people are just going to be super excited to to meet all these people. They've been watching on TV and movies for for years. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be fantastic. But yeah. tell tell me a little bit about um, the rest of the convention too, the exhibitors you have, and and what that's all going to be like. Because there's some really good ones in there too. I think. Oh yeah. I, first of all, we've got amazing panels Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Not just panels with the guests but also panels uh, about, like we have Emory University is sponsoring uh, one of our panel hours, and they're going to be talking about the ethics, zombie ethics. So it's going to be all about um, just the, the ins and outs of, you know, is a zombie, when is a zombie, when does a person become a zombie, and what do you do? You know, do you kill somebody that's, that's been, you know, just like in the, walking, in the Walking Dead, you face a lot of the ethical issues, especially in season one, there was a lot of ethical issues right. that you had to deal with, um, that the actors had, or the people um, in the show had to deal with. So just stuff like that, that's going to be amazing. We've got costumes, we're going to talk about zombies. Yeah, Yolen, uh, Yolen Womble, mm-hmm. who's the lead costume designer for The Walking Dead, is going to do a whole presentation on costume design. Yeah. Greg Nicotero with KNB right. is going to be doing um, an entire hour on the history of KNB, and it's going to be—he's our guest of honor yep. for the weekend. Um, and then just a whole makeup—we've got the two guy, two guys from Sci-Fi Show um, Face Off. Mm-hmm. They're going to be talking about makeup, zombie makeup, and they're going to be there as exhibitors as well, putting uh, zombie makeup on everyone because we're having a big zombie bash party on Saturday <laughs> night. Cool. So from ten to. Huh? I said I just said that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I know. We're, we're thrilled. So that the panels are going to be amazing. Um, and then then the exhibitors we're having. We're just going to try to make it really fun on the con floor. We're going to have uh, zombie actors walking around on the con floor. You know, t- you can take your pictures with the zombies. We're going to have cosplayers. Yeah, we, ha- we have this whole huge crew out of I think like Ohio coming yeah. down that pretty much every main actor in season one. Yeah, they, they each or a cosplay character from it right and they're um, really good they so are great. that'll be awesome and then um and then we have people like legoland are going to be there actually uh-huh. doing a whole booth uh we'll have a radio station we'll have like i said the, the guys from sci-fi we've got the georgia reptile society mm-hmm. gonna be you know if you want to get your body wrap with a boa this is the thing to do you know come down touch a you know have a tarantula walk all over you oh, man. Um, you know we'll have swords we'll have uh, we're looking for a paintball we're still we're, looking we're, for we're gonna do the paintball on our own yeah we're gonna buy some paintball guns and then we're going to have <laughs> zombie targeting inside the convention oh, I, that's man. what we're gonna do but no we've also got a lot of everybody's favorite um, t-shirt artists um, and like uh, you know general artists yeah uh, Tracy Gurney who mm-hmm. everybody loves that does a lot of stuff for Norman Reedus she's coming down um, we've, we've got all sorts of just amazing artists they're all on the website mm-hmm. a lot of um, sketch card artists uh, a lot of people who yeah authors we got Jay uh, Bonansinga mm-hmm. who's the uh, co-author of the Walking Dead trilogy which I think the book comes out what next week or yeah. week after next yeah, yeah. he'll be signing the new book on mm-hmm. Tuesday it comes out yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, the lineup is, is amazing and we're just going to keep trying to add more and more people. And then we've got, of course, we've got St. Jude, who's our charity, um, for the con. They're going to uh, actually have some people who are on that cake boss competition come in. They're doing a six foot zombie cake. Oh my gosh. And they're going to have a cake dive, I think on Saturday night. Zombie bash. It, well, the cake, they're going to, they're going to have a part, a cake at the zombie bash, but they're going to have a cake dive 
and they're gonna have 12 people eating the zombie with just <laughs> with their hands behind their backs and then you win like prizes and all sorts of stuff but they're gonna have a ton of giveaways of autographs just for donating to saint jude so we're just trying to make the whole experience awesome. We've got some Emily guys. Emily Kinney concert. Yes. <laughs> Don't <laughs> forget that. Right. At 830, Emily Kinney plays Beth. Beth. Yeah. Uh, or I always want to call her Betsy, but it's not. It's Beth. Uh, or Bethy. Um, yeah, she's, she's going to be singing. She's mm-hmm. going to have her whole band. And her, her EP actually comes out on Tuesday this week as well. That's Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you've got so much going on. It just sounds like there's going to be you know so much to do there it's going to be fantastic you mentioned lego what about like for kids is it going to be really really friendly yeah. for the kids and awesome for them yes i should have mentioned also yeah legoland will have it's gonna be very we're actually putting out a press release this week about how kid friendly it is cool. um we also have uh medieval times is going to be there they're going to have knights there zombie nights Z- zombie nights nice. but it's going to be very kid friendly even stan the zombie who's going to be one of the zombie actors who's coming he's he's going to do a lot of kid friendly stuff so it's going to be very pg right during at the con pg mm-hmm. 13 you know at the most pg right. 13 in the evenings so and we've got um we like I said, we have the Reptile Society there. Mm-hmm. We've got um, some artists there that do like kid friendly zombie drawings. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like PG down. We'll draw your kid as a zombie type right. thing. Right. Um, but then we're gonna have so many toy vendors, um, comic book vendors. Uh, just we're really we'll have the paintball shooting. Mm-hmm. We're really trying to to make it friendly for kids. And all kids ten and under are free with a paid adult. Right. Um, so we re- we really do want families to be able to come. We're dads ourselves. Right. So for mm-hmm. us, it's a fan experience that we would want our our kids to go to. We're going to bring our kids, mm-hmm. you know. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's it's great for everybody, you know. That totally makes a lot of sense, and and it's great that you're making it fun for for families and kids too. You know, it's I I go to these things, but I don't generally take my. I have two girls. I don't generally take my girls with me because. Uh, you know, sometimes they're a little afraid of certain things that are going on because they don't sure. t- quite get it all. And sometimes they're just not as into it, you know. So, you know, it's it's great to hear that there'll be some fun stuff for, for kids going yeah, on down there. Yeah, we're not decorating it like, like, a, like a Halloween con. We're not trying to make it spooky looking or scary. It, I mean, yeah. there's going to be people dressed up like Walking Dead people and there's going to be people dressed up like zombies. But we're not trying to make the atmosphere feel like you got dropped into the apocalypse and you're having to run from zombies right. everywhere we're trying to <laughs> make fun. right we want the kids to come and have a good time um because we want the families to come sure that's awesome well b- before we go tell me a little bit about the charity the charitable charity partner you've got on board and and what you're doing for them well our charitable partner for this year um is uh, raising spirits for saint jude children research hospital and as everybody knows saint jude is based out of uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It is a hospital that is running 24/7, 365, dedicated to to healing children, and their focus is to turn away no child. So no matter what your income level is, or if you have health insurance or not, they won't turn away any child. Um, it costs, I think, over a million dollars a day to operate this hospital. Wow! But um, every penny that's raised by St. Jude. Uh, we, uh, from their booth, we'll all be going to uh, to the hospital. Um, they're going to have over 100 autographs uh, to give away. Uh, they're going to be raffling off. Like I said, they're going to have the cake dive. There's going to be so many ways for people to to win things just by giving as little as a dollar, five dollars. 
Um, we'll be doing, um, you know, making change for St. Jude during the panels where, you know, just grab the change out of your pockets, give it to St. Jude. We really want, we really want not only do this, but we want it to have an impact. And this is the way that, that we can do something positive uh, for other people through this. That's amazing. That's, I mean, this is something I haven't even really seen at, at other conventions, I don't think, you know. This sort of um, goodwill giving back to a to a, a local charity or, or even a national one, you know, on this level. So uh, I think you should be commended for, for doing something like this. And I think it's going to add a lot to the event, and people are going to see that and, and really, you know, really, really get into it. Thanks, man. Thank you. I think it's a great thing. Um, so... Yeah, so that's that's about it, I think. I mean, like I said earlier, I've been down to, to New York Comic Con a couple of times, but I can honestly tell you guys that I think I'm more excited to come down to this than I was either year going to New York, even though that was a great experience too. But, you know, this Walker Soccer Con is going to be so great because I just feel like we're going to get such a better chance to, well, meet you guys and other podcasters. And I know we have lots of listeners that have said they're going to be there, so it'll be a great chance to meet them and do panels and have meetups and stuff so i'm just yeah and we forgot to mention the most important panel of all yeah the podcaster one. panel <laughs> the that, one we're doing with you yeah it's gonna, it's be, gonna be fun do we know yeah. when that is yet uh i've changed the schedule so many times it'll right. be it'll be live on the website probably this week okay, but it's cool. it's uh gonna be on saturday for yeah. sure Alrighty. so yeah that's good. Yeah, that's probably the most important panel of all of them. You're right. That'll be good. It is. <laughs> who's who's hosting it? Can you or who's moderating it? Can you say that? Can you tell us that yet? Uh, well, it'll I don't <laughs> self-moderated or will yeah. self-moderated by all of us. If we can all keep ourselves from talking at the same time, <laughs> I think uh, I think we'll get through it. We'll, we'll still have to figure that out. Jason and Karen from the Walking Dead cast yep. are going to be moderating most of the panels, um, and then James and I'll be doing some of them. So maybe Jason and Karen will give them. We'll put them in charge of that. Sure, why not? They 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 know what they're doing. We just want to meet Karen. She's such a mystery woman. We've never, you know, <laughs> seen her face. No, no pictures. She's gonna she have a bag on her head the entire weekend. So you're right. No. I, I've uh, I've well, I've, we've podcasted with them a number of times over the years, but I have I'm in the same boat as you guys. Very rarely seen a picture of them. I think I've seen a picture of Jason and not Karen. Exactly. Jason's yeah. all over the place. Yeah. You, know, you find Jason in a few minutes, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, Karen was even supposedly in The Walking Dead as a zombie, and I still have never seen even a picture of her as a zombie. <laughs> as far as I know, her scenes got cut, so there's oh, there's some sort of conspiracy of course, going yes, on. Quote, yeah. unquote, <laughs> they got cut, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, find her. I know. Well, the, hey, that's... That's the most exciting thing of the weekend right there, meeting her. Um, listen, guys, I, I know you already dropped the big news that Andrew Lincoln is going to be there, but is there anything else you want to tease or let anyone know about uh, before we, we wrap it up here? Honestly, that is the biggest news we got for you tonight. It, it really is. Well, I mean, that's, that's amazing news. I, he was the one that, uh, you know, it would be great if Stephen Yoon was there, of course. Uh, but Andrew Lincoln, you know, Rick, he is the primary character of this show right. most of the time so it's so fantastic that he's going to be there yeah we're we're thrilled can't wait all right well listen guys i mean i think i speak for uh you know all the walking dead podcasters and all our listeners and just all the fans out there and i think i want to say just a huge thank you to you guys for doing this um i know it's been as you've said it's gonna it's an enormous amount of work and uh, you know, you've been pretty much doing it 
all on your own uh, with help from other people. But I just want to give a big thank you to it because I know it's going to be a, a big, great event. We're going to all have a great time. And, you know, hopefully this happens uh, every year moving on yeah. from here, you know? Well, I just uh, just make sure anybody that's, that wants to come, uh, it's walkerstalkercon.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to get tickets, it's just walkerstalkercon.com slash tickets. You'll have tickets available at the door, too, just in case? Yeah, they'll be available. I think we're cutting off uh, online ticket sales about a week in advance of the con. That way we can just prepare for who's coming. Mm-hmm. But you'll be able to get tickets at, at the convention door. But we will cut off. Uh, I think on the, the daily limit is 7,500 people a day uh, cut off. Um, and it, I can pretty much say on Saturday it looks like that's going to happen. So if you want to go on Saturday, get your tickets in advance or get there really early on Saturday. Yeah, we still have Norman Reedus VIP tickets. I think we have like 30, uh-huh. 35 mm-hmm. of those left, mm-hmm. which gets you, which is a kind of a Norman Reedus package. Kind of a fast pass to Norman. Right. And then um, then we have several VIP tickets still left, which is mm-hmm. a three-day pass with all access to a lot of the and uh, we also do, events. And we also do have the, uh, the Andrew Lincoln VIP, which is the fa- kind of a fast pass to Andrew. It gets right. you... Uh, in at the top, you'll get an assigned uh, a time. You show up, you meet him within like 10, 15 right. minutes. So that's that's a big thing we should yes. yeah, make yes. sure to stress when you go to WalkerStalkerCon. So WalkerStalkerCon.com slash tickets. Do that you know as soon as you can because uh, they'll be closing that off maybe a week ahead of time. Um, and uh, I guess we'll see you all there. It's going to be fantastic. Can't wait, man. Yep. Can't wait to meet you. Yeah, it's going to be great. Thanks so much, guys, for doing this, and uh, you know, keep us updated. Well, I mean, obviously, I follow you on Twitter and and all that. What's what's your Twitter uh, handle so everyone can get can find you? The one that uh, is probably the most popular is at Walker underscore Stalkers on Twitter. Okay, so go there. You can find you. You can be found on Facebook too, of course. Um, yeah, just Walker Stalker Con. Look for that on Facebook. Good, right on. That's the best way to keep track of things, and of course, WalkerStalkerCon.com for everything. Thanks, guys. Uh, We will see you in about three weeks, I guess. All right, we'll see you then. All right, safe travels from the Great White North. Big thank you to James and Eric from the Walker Stalkers for coming on our podcast to talk about the convention that's coming up in uh, three weeks. As you heard, we will be there. Obviously, they will be there. Lots of other podcasters, fans, most of the cast of The Walking Dead, including the uh, final guest announcement that they made. You heard it here first, folks. Andrew Lincoln will be at Walker Stalker Con, and he doesn't do a lot of cons, so it's very, very special to have him coming. That's awesome. They're almost I'm so all excited. I know. Almost everyone's there. Stephen Yun is the only, and maybe uh, Morrissey, David Morrissey, are like the only guys that are holding out, but they must have other commitments, and you, you have to understand that. So Nah, they'll show up. Yeah, they probably will. They're in town anyways, probably filming. filming. Maybe they'll just, you know, yeah. drop by. Yeah, they'll just show up. All right. That's what, That's what I do. It's going to be a surprise. Yeah. All righty, everyone. Uh, our short story contest is now closed. We accepted entries until this past Sunday, the 6th at 11.59 p.m. Big thanks to everyone that entered. We got lots of great, great entries. We are spending this week reading them all, reviewing them, critiquing, and uh, narrowing it down to our winners. It's a It's a big, involved, complicated process that we're all going to go through, and uh, we will be announcing the winner 
next week on our podcast after the season four premiere. So make sure you tune into that to find out if your story won. The prize, in case you don't know, is a fantastic original Daryl Dixon comic art print signed by Norman Reedus and done by friend of the show, Dave. So, uh, you know, best of luck to everyone. And uh, we will see who the winner is next week. I am going to read one more excerpt. This is the last uh, excerpt we're going to read before the winner is announced. After we announce the winners, I'm not sure what we're going to do with the stories, but we will figure something out. I've had a lot of people write in and, uh, you know, Facebook me and and ask, what are we going to do? Can you post them somewhere so we can read them? And I would really like to do that. So, Jason, I think we'll probably come up with a plan to post some of these for people. Sure. Because I know there's a lot of interest in reading them, and, and I want to share them. It would be a shame to have all these stories on hand and not really do anything with them. So let's get them out there. I'll be contacting everyone that entered to just say, hey, make sure you're cool with us posting it, and then we'll get as many out there as we can. That'll be yeah. happening over the weeks and months as we move into the fall and the winter. So We'll have keep- to figure out a format, a method, a you know how we're going to release them if we do. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to read every one of them, so we'll probably, I mean, I don't want to, you know, read them like a, like loud. an audiobook out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I want to read them, and I already have read most of them, um, but I'll, we'll get them posted somehow. We will see. So uh, here is the final excerpt from a story called An Afternoon at the Cabin. Ah. <clears throat> I read this one today. Sorry, I, I derailed you right away. That's fine. But I just wanted to get that in there. I read that. Uh, I read this one today just before you posted the uh, the story to Dave. Yeah, well, like you're... minutes before. Well, good. Are you all caught up? Have you read them all? No, I've read about a dozen so far. All right. Uh, here we go. An afternoon at the cabin. Dave slumped against the tree, gasping for breath, his eyes frantically darting around, praying he'd finally lost the 12 zombies that had been chasing him since the crash. Dave glanced down at his shaking hands, brushing the dirt off uh, allowing, and allowing his mind to try to take in the events of the last 45 minutes. A noise in the distance soon snapped Dave's mind back to the present. With one last deep breath, he took off once again in a panicked, hobbling run as fast as his injured leg would allow him. Chris was staring despondently at the coffee grinder. Oh, balls, it's not working again. Jason glanced up and shrugged in an unsympathetic manner. At least my laptop works, he replied with a mouth half full of Chinese takeaway. You found anything yet? Chris asked. Nah, still no updates. Jason had been hunched over the laptop for two hours, desperately searching for news on the outbreak, but to no avail. Boom! The door of the cabin flew open with such force, Dave came flying in like he'd been shot out of a cannon. A bloodied, panting mess, Dave quickly scrambled to his feet and slammed the door, leaning against it taking the moments to try and catch his breath again. A few seconds passed before Chris popped his head above the desk. Uh, hey man, you could have knocked. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better too. <laughs> it really does. Um, this, uh, this was submitted by listener Andy, and uh, it's, um, in case you haven't noticed, it is a short story involving the three of us, me, Jason, and friend of the show, Dave. So uh, it's pretty funny. I'm looking forward to to sharing this one, a little bit more of it with everybody. Do you know where Andy's <laughs> from? The UK, somewhere. The UK, okay. Because uh, in North America, it's take out, not take away. That's true. But I right? wanted to so read it as written. No, no. And, and that's absolutely correct. You did that. I just, it, it struck me. I didn't catch that my, during my first read, but I caught that. It's like, well, it must not be North America. 
So yeah. I wanted to know where he was from. Nope, he's uh, Andy from the UK. It's Takeaway. Awesome. Um, yeah, they have different names for that all over the world. When I lived in the Czech Republic for a while, they call it nonstop. So you get non-stop? like pizza nonstop, stuff like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I mean, it means 24 hours, but it also, they're the ones that deliver. So yeah, they call it nonstop. <laughs> I, I like the idea of nonstop pizza. Just just saying. <laughs> just saying, yeah. <laughs> All righty, everybody. Let's move into some of this. The Walking Dead News. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are one week away from the season four premiere, as I said. So information is starting to come out that would be considered a little bit more spoilery than, say, what we were getting two months ago in the middle of the summer. Um, especially because reviewers and journalists have now been shown the first two episodes of season four. So they are out there. They are out there in the wild, and people have seen them. Um, this first news item, uh, I've got some information here from newsarama.com and mtv.com, who both posted lists of things about the first two episodes that uh, they, I guess, wanted to share. Kind of like, you know, 10 things you need to know going into season four sort of deal. How many exclamation points are uh, are in the dialogue? That, um, kind of, that kind of thing, that, that kind of list? Uh, yeah, exactly. How That's right. How many exclamation points? What they've got, they've, they both tried to be not quite specific, uh, or at least insus- uns- they tried to be vague, vague enough. <laughs> I'll be all right. <laughs> they tried to be vague enough to not give anything away, but still make it interesting. So it's a little bit spoilery. And obviously, they're talking about actual events in the TV show that you are going to see next week and the week after. Uh, but there's a few I wanted to mention here because I think they're, I don't know, I just think they're worth uh, mentioning, talking about, and it does kind of make me even more excited than I already am. So, Newsarama uh, says to expect to see the new survivors and a lot of new romances. So a lot of new romances. Apparently, with all those people around from Woodbury and um, all that time that's passed, I guess people are starting to shack up and get together. Huh. Which I guess just makes for more emotional moments when those people are killed off. That's the way I see it. You think shacked up people are uh, more emotionally you know, embedded in people's lives? Uh, I, I don't know. If they show people sort of... Something nice, something good happening to people, which doesn't happen very often uh, in the universe of The Walking Dead. When one of them gets killed off, which is inevitable, then I think you're going to end up with the audience going, oh, unless they don't like the pairings. I don't know. Right. Well, that that's a horror story or horror movie trope, right? That's true. If you go off into the woods uh, by yourselves, the monster's going to get you. Right. So if people are all coupled up and they go off together, does that mean they're all going to live? I hope not. Well, I hope not, but I, I think uh, Maggie and Glenn had it right. Go someplace, you know, safe that they can't get you. Go into the, the fornication tower. Right. Because uh, that's not off into the woods. Don't go off into the woods, friends. All right. They're going to have a zombie, zombie apocalypse. It sounds like they're going to have to start sharing the fornication tower, which could get a little awkward. Well, you put a sock in the door, uh, on the doorknob <laughs> and you're fine. <laughs> right. That Just do- a signal. <laughs> that sock is going to be well used. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Newsarama also said the dictatorship is definitely over. The group is now run by a council. And this we've sort of seen in the trailer. We've got Herschel and a group of people sitting around a table. I think that's probably the council they're talking about. Right. Who knows how they make decisions or what kind of decisions they make. 
but it's much more of a democracy now. It seems like there's probably some voting or at least talking about things before they do it, and no one's just calling the shots, which uh, is probably a good thing. Newsrama also says that the Big Spot raid, which we've seen bits of in the trailer as well, is intense and exciting, and it's actually pretty long. It's a long scene, so really, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be a really nice um, sort of visual of the the team on an operation, if you know what I mean, right? Sort of like we saw at the beginning of season three. Was it season three when they break into the house right at the beginning, and you see Carl go in and be all confident with his gun and stuff? Yes, it was. So like that, but even even bigger and better maybe in a big department store. So I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. That'd be cool. I'm so excited. There you go. See, it just gets you more and more excited. Yeah. Newsrama, finally, they said, the no one is safe idea is pushing forward in some big new ways in the first two episodes. There's a mystery figure in the dark and a new wrinkle to the zombie infection. So there's your so, new threat right there. So I'm right. Well, That's maybe, what you're saying. Maybe. Uh, I mean, mystery figure in the dark is one thing. Who could that be? What's going on there? Is that the threat? Um, because it's not a zombie, and uh, it's not the weather. It's a mystery figure. But there's also a new wrinkle to the zombie infection. So what could that be? Like, we already know that everyone has it, and that everyone turns into a zombie when they come back. But is it suddenly, like, deteriorating them while they're living still? Or like well, you what, said... That's what I think, yeah. Yeah. Some kind of aspect of zombieism is manifesting in the living. It sort of sounds like what they're saying, isn't it? Drooling, moaning, <laughs> obsessive compulsive disorder, yeah. uh, something, stumbling. Walking with your arms straight out in front of you. Dead. Ble- bleeding out of your ears. <laughs> <laughs> dead, but not quite dead. Right. Well, I mean, that's quite a big hint they've sort of dropped right there. I, I You know, they didn't really tell you much, but... They've basically admitted that there is something new about the infection that's affecting the living and not just making you come back after you've died. So we'll find out, I think, early on in season four. Uh, MTV says there are big changes to Michonne. They said the most powerful scene in the first two hours is a wordless two-minute bit that completely redefines what you may have thought about the monosyllabic badass. Read the beginning part of that again. The most powerful scene in the first two hours yep. is a wordless two-minute bit that completely redefines what you may have thought about the monosyllabic badass. Okay, so she doesn't say anything. So it's not monosyllabic, it's non-syllabic. Right. So but, she doesn't say anything, but it's two minutes, and it'll redefine what we think of her. Correct. And it's the most powerful scene in two episodes. I wonder what, what that could, could this be? be. I don't know. I, it's... You think she's juggling in front of a group of kids <laughs> and entertaining them? <laughs> that Singing... would that would redefine her personality without it saying really anything. <laughs> it really would. It really would. Who knows? I think, you know, I think Michonne's arc, at least for part of the season, is going out to try and track down the governor and continue her re- revenge on him. So maybe she encounters him sooner than we think I, I, mean, I think I, she does birthday parties now all right that's she, that's what i think she uses that rainbow cat she found and she's doing birthday party puppet shows that's right but there are more kids around and you need to keep kids happy we'll see yeah, birthday parties every day mtv also said we're not going to ruin this but if there isn't a mashup video based on what daryl's pre-apocalypse job in quotes is within five minutes of 30 days without an accident airing we don't know the internet 
So what this tell, tells me is that we are going to get a Daryl flashback in the first yep. episode that shows him doing something as a job pre-apocalypse. He does birthday parties. That I couldn't see even a little bit. <laughs> well, it might not be a flashback. It might be uh, you know, him just telling somebody what he did. That's true. That's true. Um, but it's got to be sufficiently hilarious for people, you know, as MTV is suggesting, people are going to want to make a mashup of him, you know, doing somehow doing this or cut together with his Walking Dead footage. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know what it could be. I have no idea, but I, I think it might be hilarious. And and I'm also not so sure if I really really want to find out that much more about Daryl pre-apocalypse. His character's so strong the way it is, and I feel like we kind of know him already. He was overshadowed by his brother, and he was uh, he didn't really have a lot of confidence and so on. And the zombie apocalypse gave him the chance to come out of his shell a little bit, you know. And I don't know that we need to know very much more about him before, but sounds like we're going to get some. We might get a glimpse. I don't think we're going to find out a whole lot. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, maybe he was working for his brother or something. Maybe he was cooking meth with him. Oh, maybe. Because, you, you know, know. Breaking Bad tie in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe he was a chemistry teacher that uh, had to cook meth to make ends meet. <laughs> maybe. That would be weird. Finally, MTV uh, says that Scott Gimple, who wrote the first se- uh, this season's first episode, proves himself quickly not only as the right choice for showrunner, but perhaps the Walking Dead's strongest asset in the writing department, too. Right. So Scott Gimple knows what the hell he's doing, is what they're saying. Yeah, and take that with a grain of salt. Like, it's, it's in their best interest to say that, right? Oh, it is, but, I mean... They're not going to say it if they don't at least partially believe it, don't you think? No. <laughs> really? I think they're, <laughs> you're that you're that skeptical? Yeah, cynical. Cynical. I I think they absolutely would say that. They have to uh they have to, you know, quell those fears of showrunners leaving and all the upheavals that they've had in the recent past that they need to set this in stone. He's the right guy. He's a strong leader. He's a great uh a writer, and he's going. This is going to be a fantastic season, right? But why does MTV have to do that? MTV are journalists; they're not associated with a- AMC. Yeah, that's true. You know, but ju- they might just be reading off a press release. Oh, right? they may be, but that press release would be out in the in the wild if if it was real. But yeah, no, they may be in AMC's pocket. Who knows? MTV is yeah. pretty big, maybe not. And they do, you know, they have a tendency to like this kind of thing because they're MTV. They're not, you know, CNN or. Yeah. Uh, Fox News or whatever. I don't know. Maybe those those places like The Walking Dead too. But um, I'm just saying. Been, my problem is I think I've been playing too much Grand Theft Auto and <laughs> they really go after the mainstream media yeah. in, that, uh, in that video game. Yeah, I've been playing it too. I haven't uh, gone back to it for a few days because I haven't had time. But uh, no, you're right. Oh my God. Grand Theft Auto. I wish there was a setting to have the radio always turned off automatically when you get in a car. The first thing I do in every car is turn the radio off because I can't take it anymore. Oh, I always put it to the uh, the, the oldies. <laughs> yeah, but... Rock and roll oldies. I wish I didn't have to change the radio every single car. Is it not within the realm of possibility that you could steal a car, get in it, and the radio wouldn't already be on? Don't people drive around with the radio on ever? I don't think so. Do you? Uh, I drive... Well, no. CDs, though, right? Yeah, a lot of CDs, but still. But there's something on. There is, usually. Okay, so 
But I'm just saying, I'm not like everybody. Other people are different. They might have the radio off. And most of the crap I don't want to hear, but that's a bit of a rat hole. So uh, I just wish the radio could be turned off by default. Wasn't there a setting in uh, like Grand Theft Auto um, Liberty City or the one before that where you could set the radio every time you got into a car, it would automatically change the radio station? I don't know if there is. There might be a setting buried in there someplace. Did you go looking for it? I went looking and I did find a radio setting, but I changed it to radio off, but uh, still on when you get in cars. So I don't know. Anyways, if anyone knows how to do that, send me an email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Totally unrelated to anything about The Walking Dead. Yes. <laughs> so season four, at least the first two episodes, look like they're stacking up to be pretty exciting, pretty awesome, and uh, give us lots of new stuff to talk about and debate. So uh, we're happening pretty soon. Next week, we're going to see sort of what all this stuff means, and we'll break it all down for you. The Walking Dead uh, marathon on AMC is happening right now. In fact, it started today. It's on as we're speaking. So You're missing it. You're missing it. Why are it. you listening to this? <laughs> you're missing it. You're missing it right now. Um, please listen to this, though. And uh, <laughs> But if you want to watch the entire first three seasons, I think twice over, at least some of them twice over during the next week, you can do that. You don't have to sleep. You can stay up 24 hours a day watching The Walking Dead on AMC. You too can become a zombie. That's right. You too Figuratively. can become a zombie. <laughs> or maybe not. That much TV is bound to kill anybody. <laughs> Certainly hope not. Uh, but anyways, you can catch up if you want to now. But if you're listening to this, chances are you've seen every episode a couple times anyways. So uh, it's there. Tell your friends. Maybe they need to catch up. Tell your mom. I'm going to call my mom and tell her that it's going on. I'm sure she would love to, to dig into that. She's a big fan. I'm sure. She is a big fan. I think she's probably caught up, but uh, if she's not watching it, I'm sure she would like to know about it so that she can watch it. And tell her friends, too. We should get That's her right. on the podcast, get your mom on here. See what never, she, she, what never she ever happen. It will never happen. Never? No. Nope. You wouldn't even ask her. I bet if you no, asked I her. No, I would ask her, but she's shy. She would never come on. Okay, well, maybe, maybe uh, you could call her on the air and not tell her. She was too shy to get up and do a speech at my, own, my wedding. Really? I was at your wedding. Yes, you were. Did w- she get up and have a sp- give a speech? I walked her down the aisle, your mom. Yep. And that was nice. She told me to slow down. I was going too fast. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't too shy to tell me to slow the hell down. <laughs> no, no. One-on-one is fine. But uh, yeah, public speaking, and she would consider this public speaking, even though it's just us, you and me, yeah. and the internet. And uh, uh, lots of our closest friends. Yeah. So no, there's never in a million years that she would ever agree to come on the podcast. All right. Well, that's too bad. My mom wouldn't either, so. Uh, She also doesn't really know what The Walking Dead is, so it's not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Season four, the director's list has been released for all 16 episodes. The director's list? Yeah, who's directing each episode. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's not what the directors think of whatever, but this is the list of directors for the episodes for all of season four. Correct. And uh, I'm going to run through a few from the first eight here since the... You know, the back eight don't come on until next February or something. Um, we've got all the usual suspects, like Ernest Dickerson, who's who's done a bunch of Walking Dead episodes. And, of course, Greg Nicotero, he's doing the first one. Uh, you know who those guys are. Uh, uh-huh. But other notables are, um, let's see, new people to The Walking Dead is a guy called Jeremy Podesa or Podessa or something like that. He's done Boardwalk Empire, The Newsroom, and Six Feet Under before. 
So he's all favorites in this household over here. So he's got some good credentials, but he's new to The Walking Dead. Also, he, uh, Jeremy Podesta is doing 407 called Dead Weight. We've got Mike Uppendahl doing 406, which is called Live Bait. And now he's done American Horror Story and Mad Men before, a bunch of Mad Men. Nice. So other couple other good shows. Um, we've got, let's see, um, 405 is David Boyd. He has, he's mostly been a cinematographer, so that might be a really good looking episode. Yeah. But he directed some Friday Night Lights, and he was the cinematographer on Firefly. Nice. A good show, so that's, that's exciting. Um, we've got Trisha, the only woman, I think, Trisha Brock, doing episode 404 called Indifference. Now, this one's a bit interesting because, well, she's done The Killing, Community, United States of Terror, and 30 Rock. So a bunch of comedy stuff, or some comedy anyways. That'd be interesting. And she also directed last season's Morgan episode, Clear. Oh. And 404 is called Indifference, as I said. And we know there's going to be, I think, two standalone Governor Bottle episodes, one of them coming early in season four either 403 or 404 probably not back to back now it could be either of those but since trisha brock did the standalone episode with morgan last season could she be doing a governor episode this season well yes i'm just gonna you know say yes you're just gonna go out there and say maybe (laughs) i believe that to be true the title is indifference i mean that doesn't really speak to anything about the governor other than after killing all of his own people, maybe he's indifferent to human life. Maybe. Uh, something like that. Um, in fact, episode 403, the title is Isolation, which is a little bit more potentially potential. Oh, my God. I can't talk at all. Potential. Write that down. That's a good word. That is a good word. It's a perfectly cromulent <laughs> word. Isolation. That sounds like it could be about the governor. Because maybe he's completely isolated himself. He's all by his lonesome now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe him and the other two guys are. Um, but that one Isolated together. Isolated together, yeah. They're in an isolated community of the three of them. Uh, that one's done by Dan Sackheim, who's done House, Lie to Me, The Americans, and Longmire. Uh, I've seen Longmire. Yeah, I've seen one episode of The Americans. I do mean to go back to that. So, you know, either of those could be Governor episodes, but I just think having Trisha Brock doing Morgan last year, maybe she's doing the Governor this year. That'd be cool. Good to know. Um, I don't know. And the, other, the only other one is 402, directed by Guy Furland, who's also done other Walking Dead episodes, but also Sons of Anarchy, Elementary, Homeland, and Torchwood. So he's got some cool shows under his belt as well. Yeah. I've not seen a lot of Torchwood, but I've seen the others. Uh, yeah, I've seen some of Sons and Homeland and one or two Torchwoods, not very much. I don't even think I've seen that many Torchwoods. Well, I've only seen two, maybe three Sons of Anarchy, so uh, I don't know much about it. But we started, finally. We started it. Good, good, good. Knocking that off the list. There's five or six years of that, though. I didn't realize how many seasons there are already. Uh, yeah, five, I think. Man, time flies. Um, one more news item here, and that is that uh, there's one more cast member been uh, added. Alana Masterson, cast in an unknown role. But it's worth mentioning because there are rumors that she will play Tara Chalmers. Do you remember who Tara Chalmers is? No. She She made an appearance, her only appearance was in the Rise of the Governor novel. 
she was one of the she was one of the family members that um, the governor or Philip Blake and his uh, his small crew encounter in the city, and they live with them for a while in an apartment. If you remember that. Oh part. yeah, I remember that. Yep. So Terry was Chalmers. raking leaves. You were raking leaves. Oh, yeah, when I, was, you left. I listened to that book on audio, and uh, I was raking leaves at that point in the story. <laughs> okay, perfect. Isn't that weird? <laughs> That's how memories of books come to me now. I remember what I was doing at the time I heard it. Well, oh, I remember that. I was painting. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. It's that's how your brain works. Certain things trigger other memories, right? Yeah, I yeah. find uh, smell triggers memories all the time oh, for me. Smell is huge. Yeah, it's weird. Like I smell something, and I'll suddenly remember something that I did in Florida when I was eight years old. Because yeah, no, it, smell is a is a huge memory trigger. Yeah, that's weird how that works. Yeah. Well, anyways, Alana Masterson, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, First Day, a TV series that she had a recurring role in. Also, Grey's Anatomy and the Sarah Connor Chronicles. So she's been around the block a couple of times. So from what they're saying is that she's an occasional or a guest star in season three with the potential to be a regular in season four. So this could turn into another regular character for us. You know that uh, she's been around the block a couple of times is can be considered derogatory yes i do but i think in this modern enlightened age (laughs) okay i'm just saying i think it i think it also can just mean she's experienced exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly does is it really only derogatory being around the block no i'm just picking at you no i know but you might be right i don't know i mean i do know that meaning of it it's just i figured i'd expand the usage of the phrase a little bit okay so you tried to class the class it up a little bit and i uh, i dragged it back down into the gutter well you know that's what happens around yeah, okay here. all right well moving on <laughs> uh well moving on we are going to take a quick break actually and when we come back there's lots more podcasts still we're going to briefly discuss the new webisodes that came out on october 1st called the oath and we are going to run through our greg nicotero actor spotlight so we can get that out of the way um, but not too fast. There's lots of lots of good stuff to talk about there. So uh, stick around for that. We'll be right back after this. the listeners of the talking dead audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service our recommendation this week is an appropriate one jason what do you have for us the fall of the governor the walking dead book three speaking of the governor and uh tara chalmers this is the third and final i guess third and final one if it's a trilogy so i've got a description here Uh, from Audible. And now, in the final installment, it all comes to a head. All the threads and mysteries of the first two books will come together in a tour de force of action and horror. Iconic characters from the comic book will finally make their entrance into this nightmarish stage, and readers will experience a terrifying finale between the cultural phenomenon that 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 this great series has become. 
So, almost made it all the way through that paragraph. Almost. He also said between instead of befitting, but that's fine. Whatever. Started with a B. There you with go. G. Close enough. <laughs> Not quite. Um, <laughs> if you have or haven't read the first two books in the trilogy, highly recommend go pick them up. Go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead to do that, and uh, you will help us out a great deal. Uh, we will also be, of course, listening to this book and doing a review of it during the Season 4 hiatus, probably sometime in the January area of next year. Um, so uh, you'll want to pick it up before then and read it so you can participate in that and let us know what you think. So to do that, please, please go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead to pick up The Walking Dead, The Fall of the Governor. It'll be free and you can keep it forever whether you stick with Audible or not. Kicked my ass out of school Rolled me out into the streets Hitched a ride on a monkey's back Headed west into the black I'm going to Disneyland I'm going to Disneyland Yeah, yeah I'm going Okay, we're back. Uh, what do you want to do first, Jason? Greg Nicotero or the Oath webisodes? Greg Nicotero. Greg Nicotero, all right. Or, or the Oath webisodes. No, you chose no, Nicotero. Greg, I know. I, That's fine. Greg. Let's let's go with that. So we watched uh, a bunch of stuff. Uh, at least I hope you did. I did. I did. Good. We got uh, four movies and a documentary. So let's start with the documentary. All right. Shall we? This sure. was produced by Stars with a Z, S-T-A-R-Z, and it was called Stars Inside, Fantastic Flesh from 2008. It was an hour-long documentary that's available on YouTube, and it focuses a lot on Nicotero and KNB's work, but it also interviews many other people, filmmakers, artists, special effects people, to just give you a sort of an idea of what goes into making movies with practical effects look the way they do. And uh, I found it pretty interesting, actually. This was awesome. Yeah, I, I loved it. I love this behind-the-scenes stuff when I when you get to see, or when people talk about the an aspect of a movie, it gets me excited about seeing movies. I actually made me. They were talking about one of the puppets for uh, uh, for Transformers. Yeah, it kind of made me want to watch Transformers again. Not quite. And, th- and that's saying something. That's true. I made a note about that too because they were talking about the frenzy robot, the little robot yeah, that the turned into annoying a annoying thing. Yeah, it turned into a, a radio, didn't it, or a CD player, like a little no. little uh, portable stereo. Yes. Yeah. And um, I had no idea that was done with a puppet. Now it was. I'm sure it was enhanced with computer effects, CGI. It, it was kind of both. They did aspects of it with the puppet and aspects where it was completely CG. Yeah. But, I mean, to do it with a puppet at all, I thought, was really, really fascinating. I thought, you know, in a movie like Transformers, I just assumed everything is is computer-generated, right? Even yeah. even Megan Fox's performance. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was interesting to see that they actually used a puppet for this, and they were, you know, controlling him manually. Um, 
And then the other one that I thought was kind of interesting was when they were talking about The Island. Remember that movie, The Island, with um, I do. the guy from Star Wars? <laughs> with Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan and Kenobi Scarlett Johansson? Yes, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I liked that movie. Ewan McGregor is the name you're looking for. That there. That is it. That's right. Um, but they talked about the scene where they had all the bodies in the sacks, right, before they escaped. Or they yep. were, I'm not, I guess, they were growing they were, the clones. Yeah. They were born. Oh, and, sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> it's from <laughs> ages ago. Funny how I care about Battlestar and not this. Funny. Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting, too, to show how they made these translucent body dummies. And it was all done, again, with actual built things, right? It wasn't done on computers and so on. It was really kind of nasty, actually, looking at it. It looked gross. It, I think, it's, I thought that they were, uh, you know, computer effects as well. When I first saw uh, The Island... And then hearing that it was, uh, they were actual practical effects, things that they made. It's the kind of thing that I would like to see in uh, an exhibit at a museum. Oh, yeah. That's actually a really good idea. There's got to be film. Well, I'm sure there are film museums and stuff. But why not put this kind of thing in there? That's a great idea. Because, yeah, that totally would uh, would go in as, a, as an art exhibit for sure. I mean, the, the, the quality of the craftsmanship and the, uh, the uniqueness of having to do that kind of thing with the, with the lighting underneath, I think that'd be fascinating. I'd to go. See. I'd go for sure. Um, so Nicotero was in here basically talking about all this stuff, relating stories from his, his career. Um, one of the things I found interesting was, well, he told a story about meeting um, Romero, George Romero in yeah, Rome. That was a good story, yeah. And uh, I, I forget the details now, but he he was sitting in a cafe or something across Romero from Romero was sitting in a cafe and Nicotero saw him yeah. and walked up to him and was a total fanboy. Yeah. I, I love your movies. I love horror movies. Uh, I love the special effects and all of them. All of them. Do you think that uh, I could do that someday? And Romero went, yeah, if you really want to, you can. So Nic- Nicotero kept showing up on set. <laughs> yeah, he just kept showing up. And this was obviously early, early on before he was anybody, right? Yeah. And uh, it's funny that, you know, a chance meeting in a cafe in Rome, of all places, and uh, now he's one of the premier guys in special effects in film and TV. So yeah. he's come a long way. And the other thing I thought was interesting, that almost all of the... Uh, practical effects artists that they interviewed all said that they feel that CGI enhances the practical effects. Um, I would define a effects purist as somebody who's like man in suit or practical effects are the way to go. Like analog's better than digital. That's the way it is. But all of these guys were like, no, 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 we do great work, but it can be even, it can be made even better by adding another layer of, uh, to it done on computers or, or whatever. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's another tool in their toolbox, right? Right. In order to, to get what, and I think Greg Nicotero said, uh, said it rather well, uh, at one point in when they were, he was being interviewed that what he does is, uh, he gives the, um, the director the paint, and the director uh, is, you know, he's creating the art artwork, mm-hmm. and a special effects person is giving him the tools in order to create that artwork. If you give him really good tools, you get a better piece of art. If you if you don't give him very good tools, he doesn't have a lot to work with, and he kind of, you know, pastes it together, and it comes out, you know, it is what it is, kind of thing. Uh, he, and, you know, go listen to the documentary because uh, Nicotero said that a whole hell of a lot better than I just did. <laughs> well, you can find 
Fantastic Flesh on YouTube. There's a bunch of uh, posts there or videos there of it in bits, but there is one that's the whole thing. So uh, make sure you find that. I think it's about an hour long. Um, and it's it's totally worth watching if you're into behind-the-scenes movie stuff or special effects, for that matter. So moving on, let's go um, chronologically by year here, shall we? All right, we'll go. Uh, we'll organize them uh, alphabetically by height. Uh, that's not going to work. So we're going to start with Intruder from 1989. Right. Um, this movie, I loved. You loved it? <laughs> I really, really liked it. And uh, I liked it a lot more, spoiler for our next bit, but I liked it a lot more than the next one on the list, which we'll get to. <laughs> um, this, I loved it. It's just, it was, your, it was, to me, it was a perfect 80s horror splatter gore fest, you know, sort of slasher flick. And I didn't mind that it was really dated in the 80s. I didn't mind that there were a bunch of, there were a bunch of movie tropes in this. You know, I didn't mind that it was kind of cheesy dialogue and the acting was weak and, and you know, mustache guy was just so terrible at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> it all added up to something greater than the sum of its parts for me because I really, really liked it. And I don't know, you know, it's just something about it spoke to me. It reminded me of, of, of movies like this that I saw when I was younger, you know, growing up in the 80s and I guess the early 90s and so on. And uh, it totally, totally worked. What did you think of this? Well, I can see where you're coming from. Right. I can see that, uh, yes, it was an 80s slasher flick and uh, how the dialogue was bad and how it was extremely dated. Um, I thought it was a little predictable, but that's part of it too. Yeah, that's totally part of it. I mean... If you'd watched this in 1989, I bet you you wouldn't have been able to predict the outcome. But now, 20 years later, you know, we're all much more familiar and enlightened when it comes to these sorts of movies, so we're better at watching them and figuring them out. Yeah. And I mean, also, this, this, this movie was a great uh, opportunity for me to explain to Jenny, because I watched it with my wife, mm -hmm. to explain to her the whole uh, structure of a horror slasher film from the 80s. Right. Like, okay, we have a survivor girl. She's going to come through an opening at some point. And when she <laughs> goes through that tunnel, she's going to turn from victim to uh, survivor girl. Right. And and that's, it's exactly what happened. Well, yeah, it, it totally did. Like, it, there was the formula was was here, you know? But yeah. formulaic is not necessarily bad, in my opinion. No, especially not in this kind of genre, either. Right, and, you know, this is 1989, so it's not, you know, the early days of horror movies or anything, but the 80s had a specific feel to them when it came to horror. It's like a Mustang from the 80s. You know that car is from the 80s, because the ones that came after it are really nice, and the ones that came before it are really nice, and then there's the ones in the 80s. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Ford Mustang. What's wrong with the 80s? No, uh, I'm, not, I'm not being sarcastic or in any way. I'm like, no, there's some, there was something wrong in the 80s with television, with movies, with uh, clothes, with hairstyles, with uh, there was just something wrong. It all feels so awkward <laughs> and immature to me, the well, whole 80s. Looking back on it, you could say that about a lot of different eras. No, I felt that way in the 80s. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, you don't feel no, that way now. So it really no. was... A difference. No, it was the 80s. It was specifically the 80s. I experienced the 70s. Mind you, I was not fully conscious the whole time, but uh, I was very young. That's why I wasn't fully conscious. Yeah, you were. Uh, un you weren't fully conscious in the 80s for a different reason. Yeah, I came. I came of age in the 80s. You know, it was uh, the 
grade school and high school, beginning of high school. And then the 90s have a whole other thing. But the 80s, even when it was there, it was the leg warmers and the big hair and the stupid shirts and <laughs> the clothes and the cars and the music. And it just something felt wrong. It just felt off. You know, it, just, it was off. The economy was booming in the 80s. Maybe people had too much money, too much time on their hands, and they just... They just blew it on whatever they want, and that's... Was, was, it, was it Ronald Reagan? Was it his fault? He was the president from 1980 to 1988. Oh, was he? The, almost the entire decade. Maybe it yeah. was his fault. He, he's, he was an actor. He was. Maybe, maybe it's his fault. I don't know. If you're going to blame somebody, the president's a good choice. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a lot of power. But I, I don't know. This, this was great. The, the main character, her hair and clothes and makeup, it was just all so perfectly dated. Um, there was... A, there was at the beginning there was a really really cheesy fight scene that i i loved it just by today's yeah. standards it just seemed so clumsy and slow and it's just like you know people punch each other but you could just see them not punching each other and it yeah. was i loved it it was it was so well done and then there's a scene where uh near the beginning of the movie um a guy goes into the bathroom and you think something is going to be in the stall. You think maybe the killer is going to be in the stall. And so the music is ramping up and he's afraid, the character's afraid. And then he opens the stall door and looks in. And I guess this is a little spoiler. There's no um, killer in there. There's an unflushed toilet. And I was like, this is amazing. They just did an unflushed toilet joke. <laughs> it was great. It was really all right. Really looking great. back, looking at this movie in that light, I did not enjoy it as much as you did when I uh, when I watched it. But uh, now that you're shedding this light on it, it is much. It, it's gone up. Its stock has gone up for me. All right. Well, that's retrospect. that's good. For some reason, this all occurred to me while I was watching it, and I was able to just completely buy into what it was, and it it really worked for me. Um, there's some really good well, really gory, disgusting kills in this yes. movie. Yeah. Um, they used Chekhov's gun theory very well. Uh, in this case, there was Chekhov's meat hook, Chekhov's garbage <laughs> compactor, um, probably some other stuff too. <laughs> right. You know? And uh, there was some weird, weird shots too. There was a scene where a, a woman is talking on the phone and it's an old rotary dial phone. And the camera is inside the phone, looking out through the rotary dial <laughs> was, at her on the phone. I actually rewound that <clears throat> because uh, I think my wife was distracted by her phone at that point. I'm like, "You got to see this." And I went back, and the holes were off. But you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a nitpicker. You're a stickler the, for uh, rotary phone yeah. accuracy. Yeah, the rotary phone holes for uh, finger dialing were not in the right place. There's a scene where she near the beginning where she dials nine one one and you hear the rotary dial you know choo, 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 as it goes back <laughs> and then one and then one it's just it was so awesome. Um, before we go on, I want to say that the poor lobsters in this movie got a uh, got something in their tank that shouldn't really be there. And uh, there's a scene where one character beats another character with a guy's severed head. How can you go? <laughs> how can you go wrong? Yeah, that that part I enjoyed. <laughs> um, and then there's a cameo. Uh, there's a cameo right at the end, at uh, that you might recognize. So uh, if you do go and watch this, watch. Oh for yeah, that. watch that for was, that. Uh, even my wife caught that one. Did you catch the uh, the other cameo? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. It was Sam Raimi. Oh, Sam and Ted Raimi were in this movie. Both yeah. brothers. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're right. Sam Raimi was in there too. I saw it in the credits. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I don't know what Sam Raimi looks like. I can't pick him out of a lineup without looking on the internet to find out what he looks like. Especially and, 20 years ago. Or Yeah, well, and my wife's really good at that. So I fro- uh, did a we reround to a scene where I thought it was Randy and because uh, that was his character's name i think and i paused it and then i pulled up a picture of uh, sam raimi on the ipad and i said is this the same guy she's like yep okay uh yeah ted raimi played the butcher that always had headphones on sam raimi was right. the other less nerdy looking guy that looked kind of like him oh there was one <laughs> can i do one spoiler well we've <clears> already has to do with the special effect. a little bit but yeah okay spoiler more spoilers for 1989's intruder yeah, so this is specific to a special effect. I guess Ted Raimi uh, got a knife in the back of the head, and he always had his headphones on and these big glasses, and there was weird music going off, and he was dancing all the time, but he got whacked in the in the head, and his headphones split and fell off. <laughs> and did you notice that uh, whoever was below Ted Raimi had to tug on the cord for the headphones like two or three times <laughs> to get the headphones to come apart properly? I did not notice. Go back and watch that. It took like three tries. It's like yank, yank, <laughs> yank, and then they finally come apart. That's okay. It's budget <laughs> filmmaking, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't even mentioned anything that uh, Nick Otero did in this, but he was the special makeups effect artist, special makeup effects artist. So he was doing, I guess, a lot of the makeup, a lot of the blood effects, and uh, some of the gory stuff of people getting stabbed and cut in half and various things like that. Um, and it all looked perfectly acceptable for 1989. <laughs> I'm going to just it say was, that. It was right. Uh, it was consistent with the rest of the movie. Absolutely. And that's yeah. a good thing. There were a, there was at least one kill where I kind of had to go, oh, and, and look away because it was just too nasty for right. me. And even though I know it's so silly, but, you know, it got to me. So I recommend Intruder 1989. I think you should go seek it out. It's a fun movie. And... Uh, Find it. If you like this sort of thing, you will like this movie. Next on the order is 2006, Cemetery Gates. Now, when we announced our Nicotero um, uh, actor spotlight two or two podcasts ago, which is like a yep. month ago now, I said he played stoner dude Doug. Yeah, we uh, we were incorrect. We were incorrect. I think I even named the episode Stoner Dude Doug. You did. It's actually Stoner Dude Michael. As Gregory Nicotero. Yes, it was Stoner. I was like watching the credits. I'm like, oh, crap, we got that wrong. Yeah, got that wrong. <laughs> I just read the wrong name. So he's in this movie, and he, according to IMDb, only acted in this movie. He did not provide any special effects. So I this, went. I watched the credits with great detail to see if he had anything to do with the production of this movie. He did not. So he was really just acting. I'm, you know, I'm sure when it comes down to it on the day, he's probably like, no, 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 you guys are doing that wrong. Put more blood over here. And, you know, this is how someone looks when they're impaled on a fence and stuff like that. Professionals do not do that. They don't do that? No, you don't. Do not butt in. Only Uh, amateurs do that. And uh, that's that's true. Or assholes, really. Uh, I've had that, you know, I've been, I was working at, uh, you know, various events and stuff doing, you know, strolling and juggling and stuff. And there has been a couple of occasions where people show up and say, hey, can I borrow your clubs and start juggling and doing some stuff? And that's a really kind of an asshole thing to do. Oh, I can totally see that. And now that you mention it, you're right. I mean, Nicotero is a professional and he wouldn't step on someone else's toes. No. Um, I'm sure if he was asked for advice, he would uh, absolutely jump in and give whatever advice he, uh, he was asked for mm-hmm. and help out. I'm sure he would do that, but uh, you don't butt into somebody else's profession and tell them what to do. Okay, so he really was just acting. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> if you can, And, and Howard Berger, too. 
Yeah, I he rec- was stoner dude Doug. He was. I recognized him, but I couldn't think of anything else I've seen him in at the time. He's a special effects guy. <laughs> oh, but I th- I swear I've seen him before. Hasn't he acted before? I've seen. I've also seen him in. St- in I recognize him as well. But he was in the documentary. Oh right, yeah, that that's we right. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I recognized him. I'm like, where have I seen him before? And then once the doc, I watched the documentary after. I'm like, oh, he's also a special effects guy, and he works with Greg Nicotero. So uh, they were hanging out one day and decided to act in a movie. Or or they were they came by the set to you know to have lunch with somebody, and the director was like, hey guys, you want to be in the movie? Why not? Uh, because their plot line, I don't think, had anything to do with the rest of this movie, and it was completely useless yeah there was just no point to it so i have a feeling it was just sort of like guys let's put you in the movie it'll be funny you know holy crap he's won an oscar uh nicotero no uh burger howard burger yeah what did he win the oscar for now i have to figure this out hold on a sec well you look that up this is the movie where i mentioned earlier that i thought was absolutely terrible all it was horrid all of the things that were good about intruder none of that existed here this is just absolutely totally crappy now as it started, it kind of set itself up like like a teenage monster slasher flick, kind of. You've got the typical characters, a jock, a nerd, a hot, dumb chick, a stoner, and they go out into the woods, and you think, well, this is going to be one of those Cabin in the Woods type movies, right? And I guess that's sort of what they were going for, but wow, did they ever... It was, it was absolutely horrendous. Bed. It was it horrendous. Was, it, yeah, it was, it was bad. Right from the opening... Uh, scene with the music mm-hmm. and they tried to make this laboratory and I could just see the prop guys going oh my god how are we going to make a laboratory <laughs> I know we'll buy kitchen supplies <laughs> and we'll set <laughs> and that's exactly what they did they bought the, the shelving for kitchens and they put weird things on there it's like clipboards we need more clipboards like oh let's put a jar with red stuff in it <laughs> okay that's a good idea well, why not that would be in there well there was just so much about this I didn't like um was there, there was, anything you did like? Uh, yes. One of the hillbilly brothers that are in the movie was wearing a shirt that said Farmer's Rock. I liked the shirt. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, the blonde chick got topless a lot, but, you know, I, I'm like, I like naked girls as much as the next guy, but I'm really not going to say that that added anything to the movie. No, you have the internet. Yeah, exactly. Topless ladies are everywhere on the internet. They're everywhere. <laughs> so I like the guy's shirt, um, but not much else. Uh the notes I made here, so there, there's a monster that escapes in this movie, and it looks absolutely god-awful. Oh, like, it's bad. Like, Nicotero clearly wasn't involved in making this monster because it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Did they really have to show the monster taking a dump? Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... No. No, I don't think so. And but I was Just like, stepping seriously? back, Howard Berger won uh, Best Achievement in Makeup for The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, yeah. He talked about that in the documentary. That's right. You didn't so, see Aslan taking a dump. I mean, no, difference. but they did have an Oscar-winning actor in this movie. <laughs> now, you have to parse that sentence correctly to get it to work. Yeah, maybe they. <laughs> maybe that's why. I wonder if he'd won the Oscar. No, I guess not. 2006? Yeah, Narnia was before that. Was it? The first Narnia? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe around the same time. Oh, no, 2006. He oh, 2005 may... was... He was won the Oscar in 2006. Okay. 2005 was when the movie came out. Okay, so he was an Oscar-winning uh, an Oscar winning person at the time. <laughs> wow. Maybe that's why he's in the movie, so that they could say, we have an Oscar-winning actor in our film. 
That's probably <laughs> the only reason. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. The other thing I noticed, so many gay jokes in this movie, which just turned me off a lot. Yeah. Um, when you start referring to, uh, you know, people as the gays are so funny. Yeah. It's just... It's just pathetic. It's, it's kind of hard to swallow. It really is. And um, the main character at one point, who's an actor who's been around, he's done all kinds of stuff. I don't know his name now, but he's actually a good actor, just not in this case. He had a line where he said, movies are the poetry of the new millennium. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't really find much to like about this movie. Was there anything you liked about it? No. Nothing. Nothing, eh? I, I couldn't even uh, use the fact that it was bad as a redeeming quality. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a horrible, horrible movie. Unfortunate. So, Okay, next is Hitchcock from 2012. Nicotero was, again, special makeup effects artist. And uh, I liked Hitchcock. This is the first yeah. time I'd seen it. Had You'd watched it before, I think? I'd watched it before, and I watched it again. Uh, this morning, actually. Yeah, I like this. Um, speaking to the makeup, I mean, Anthony Hopkins has a lot of makeup on to become... Sir Anthony Hopkins. That's right, Hopkins. to become Alfred Hitchcock. And he basically, to me, just disappeared into Alfred Hitchcock. He really looked like him. He did, certainly didn't look like Anthony Hopkins playing Alfred Hitchcock. At yeah. least at least I didn't think so. So, you know, if Nick Otero was the makeup effects artist on this, then great job there. Yeah, fantastic. Um my wife said that Scarlett Johansson was really, really good as Janet Lee. I don't really know that much about Janet Lee, but she does. And she said Scar, Scar Joe played her very well. So I'll, I'll Scar get... Joe, is that what we call her? That's what we call her. In, um, in, in your household or is the internet? No, that's, that? that's an internet thing. Yeah. That wasn't me. <clears throat> um, and then uh, I just, I, I liked the movie. It was a, it was an interesting look. I thought into a short period of, of Alfred Hitchcock's life. You know, him making Psycho is basically what this movie covers. And he made lots of movies before and after, but uh, Psycho is probably the most well-known. I, I really like this movie. Yeah. I was uh, I was a fan of this movie when, when I first saw it, and I was glad to watch it again. And sometimes when you watch a movie a second time, you you know don't enjoy it as much as uh, the first time. This mm -hmm. one, I, I definitely enjoyed as much the second time around. Uh, I really like the uh, how you know how Alfred Hitchcock came out, or Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins came out as Alfred Hitchcock at the beginning and at the end to narrate the intro and the outro. Yep, I thought that was uh, that was fantastic. He bookended the movie really well, yeah. uh, you know, with his little speeches, and it was just a good portrait of of him making the movie, but also his personal life and his relationship with his wife and how she influences him and in a certain respect directs him and uh, and uh, you know keeps him keeps him going when things you know he may not be thinking straight or making the best decision or something like that she's really yeah. I mean I don't want to make it I don't want to tear her down at all but she's like the strong woman behind the man sort of thing right yeah she was definitely a partner in the uh, the construction of Alfred Hitchcock yeah movies and television. And uh, one other thing I wanted to say that I've forgotten. Oh, and it was also uh, a brief, a slight glimpse into uh, Alfred Hitchcock's mind. It's like how he thinks of terrible, terrible things mm -hmm. and puts uh, a tamed down version of them on in the movies. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got a... That's right. He comes up with the craziest thing he can imagine and then makes it work on screen, right? And within yeah, the story, too. Because he was like that. I forget where I read that, but Alfred Hitchcock, he said that uh, in one point in an interview or a memoir of some kind that he uh, 
uh, he, he would think of absolutely horrific things and it would just come to him and uh, he would feel bad about thinking them, but then he would take them and kind of put them on the screen. Wow. People seem to love it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other two things I noticed about this is that he really, really liked to wear some seriously hiked up pants. Those it was it was the style. Uh, I, I, hey, I'll I'll give you Watch that. Watch Mad Men; they have some hiked up pants there. Do they? Not yeah. not to the same degree. Maybe it's just oh, it, it, Alfred in the sixties. When was when did Psycho come out? Yeah, sixty nine or sixty eight or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't quote me on that. I, I don't well, know. I'm going to look it up here. I got IMDb open. Well, I I hey I I'll give you that. Nineteen sixty. Holy shit, 60, so earlier. So, okay, it was the style, I will give you that. Um, But I don't know, maybe it's just because he's a slightly more rotund gentleman that it looks like he's got them higher, but he's got some high pants. Yeah. And the other thing I'm going to chalk that up to style. All right, that's fine. Uh, The the, the only other thing is right at the beginning, he's in the bath, and uh, you don't see a lot of men sitting in the bath drinking a big glass of red wine. <laughs> no, and reading the paper. <laughs> and read, well, reading the paper, fine. I mean, people might do that. We but, had to uh, be in a you know in a very complex bodysuit for that bath scene too. So that was a very that was a special effects triumph in my mind. Oh, absolutely. Watching it the second time around, I'm like, wow, they really had to go all out to make sure that that suit was was good for that scene because usually you just you know if he's got a suit on right with his hiked up pants you just right. you know, put him in a fat suit it doesn't really have to look like anything whereas you put him in a bath all of a sudden it's got to look like something it, it's got to look like him yeah. <laughs> something anyway <clears throat> so Hitchcock really good makeup really good um, go see it if you haven't I recommend it The Grey is the last movie on our list uh, from around the same time, actually, maybe I got these out of order. The gray might be earlier than Hitchcock, but it doesn't matter. Hard to say. It's from a year or two ago. This one, of course, stars Liam Neeson and a bunch of other characters who get stranded in the Arctic and have to survive against a pack of wolves. And nature. Well, and nature, too. You know, for it sure. wasn't just the wolves. I, it, You know, I thought it was just going to be wolves, but it wasn't. No, it's nature. There's more to this movie, but the wolves are the main villain. They're the main threat, really. Um, now, Nicotero was animatronic supervisor and makeup and creature effects supervisor. So he was doing, I guess, animatronic wolves mostly in this movie. Yep. Um, which I thought the wolves looked okay. The problem is they didn't show them very well lit or you know a lot of close-up shots of wolves you didn't really see like a full body wolf doing something too much it was a little bit of close-up shaky cam with the wolves here i thought right um i still like the movie a hell of a lot though you did yeah I, i didn't like this movie oh really no i a few things i thought the plane crash scene was the most terrifying plane crash i've ever seen on film it really worked for me i mean in a frightening kind of way um, and I also, I just, you know, the movie was about each of these characters kind of questioning and realizing what they have to live for, sort of realizing it and then questioning whether it's worth it, right? Based on sort of their past and their history and so on. And I did like the way they played that out differently for each character, right? They, they all had different sort of results or they came to different realizations thinking about, you know, what it is, what it means to be alive and what you live for and what's important in life when they're faced with such extreme circumstances and their mortality. 
Right. And it, it, it kind of worked for me. Um, I also thought the sound design was fantastic and the wolf and the nature sounds were good and the cinematography with all the snow, it's always easy to make snow look good, but uh, they really did a nice job here. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said, except that I didn't like the movie. Well, so what, what failed for you? What brought um, it down? I thought it was a little too thick uh, for, you know, style-wise, and uh, it was a little too melodramatic for my, my taste. Like, the opening scene with him walking through the snow in a, uh, you know, up north someplace at some kind of factory. It was an oil an, factory, oil refinery. Yeah. Um, so it just... It, it was it was too much. It just it turned me off right from the outset. It's just like, and then it was there was flashbacks right in that uh, first, uh, you know, first five minutes or first ten minutes of back to a, a happy life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just it was just laying it on a little too thick, a little too early. I don't know. I I, I enjoyed the flashbacks. I liked how they integrated them with what was happening to him in real life with the flashbacks a little bit. It was, it was too much for me. It just it, it uh, gave me a sour taste right hmm. at the beginning, and it lasted the first two attempts that I tried to watch this movie. I, the first time I tried to watch this movie was before this Greg Nicotero thing, and I turned it off. I'm like, screw that. I'm not even going to bother. I got to the, uh, you know, the plane had crashed, and then right afterwards, I'm like, I, I can't be bothered. And then uh, we did this Greg Nicotero thing, and I figured, okay, I'll get through the gray first. And then I turned it on, and I started from the beginning again, and I got through the plane crash, and I got about 10 minutes farther. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this later. <laughs> and then I came back to it uh, over the weekend, and I turned it on again for the third time, and I didn't bother starting it over. I started uh, a little bit before uh, I turned it off last time, uh-huh. and I got through. And it was a little bit better the third time I tried to get through. So I think it might have been the beginning of the movie that made me not like it, because hmm. it was better after the plane crash, and then when they go away, and there was this uh, thing where they had to get off a, over a cliff. Yeah, see that scene. I don't want to spoil it, but I didn't like that scene. I thought. No, it was, I didn't like it either. But I, I liked it better than, uh, than the first two times I tried to watch the movie. Right. No, that that scene, um, it didn't strike me as as realistic. And and otherwise, I thought this movie did have a pretty strong element of realism to it. Uh, it doesn't sound like you agree necessarily, but I don't know, you know, about wolves and how they hunt and so on. But it struck me as pretty terrifying and. And I could see, you know, it going down like this if you were stranded somewhere in the middle of nowhere like that in winter with, uh, you know, bloodthirsty wolves all over the place. Except that cliff scene, I was like, really? Come on. There isn't a better approach to this, you know? (laughs) The one thing I was glad about in the, uh, after the three attempts at watching this movie was that I don't think it was the same pack of wolves the whole way through. It was just wolves. Yeah, well, I don't know. Because how would the wolves get down that cliff? There's no way. It was they showed like a panoramic view of that cliff, and it was, it was huge. too vast. It was too wide. The wolves would use that as a natural boundary for hunting, and they wouldn't follow this these people down the cliff. You're right. I can. I can, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think you could argue that both ways that it is the same wolves because they aren't clear about it in the movie um, that it either is the same wolves or that it's not. I don't know if it's all that important. I mean, the important thing is they're being attacked by wolves trying to survive. Yes. And uh, I'm just glad it wasn't a group of vindictive wolves that were out to get this particular group of hunt of humans. Right, right. 
No, that's that what I that's uh, and I thought that that's what this movie was like. Uh, the, the the scenes from the trailer, uh, the picture on the front, uh, the you know the the cover of the of the movie. I thought it was Liam Neeson versus the wolves, right? right? Versus a wolf, a particular particularly pissed off wolf. Right. Well, they tease a scene in the trailers that yeah. that would make you go that would make you think that absolutely, but it doesn't end up play out that way in the movie. So, yeah. uh, and I'm glad of that. And that is a point in its favor, is that I also came into this movie with a preconception that was not true, and the preconception I did not like. Okay. Well, that's so. good. I, um, yeah, I went in with, with, I didn't really go in with that preconception, but I did have some thoughts of what I thought the movie was going to be, and it didn't work out that way for me either, actually. And, and getting more into it would kind of be spoiling it, but uh, um, it, it the movie, for the most part, worked for me, other than the odd sort of... Th- scene where I didn't think it really was realistic. I thought it did work. I thought the themes were interesting and, uh, you know, on a technical level, it was just beautifully shot and it looked good and, and the sound design, like I said, was really good. So, and Liam Neeson, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with that guy. He's done some stuff I haven't liked, but generally he's pretty awesome, I think. And um, just as a bonus, Dallas Roberts was in this movie. Did you notice that? I did. He was one of the other survivors. So you, we have a double. We have a double here with um, uh, Milton being in this movie. Yep. <laughs> so I say go see the gray. Jason, not so much. Yeah, I, it, it's a. I wouldn't see it again. Like I'm not going to ever watch this movie again. No. Well, I don't know that I will either. But I'm definitely going to watch Intruder from 1989 again. <laughs> Movies I like, I watch more than once. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've seen Hunt for Red October. It's like. 1718 at least many people have that as their top movie of all time and i've never seen it we don't even we're not going to dig into that i know it leaves you speechless doesn't you've it? got some gaps oh dude. yeah everybody does <laughs> no way i just have some serious i have gap. a quite very comprehensive movie watching background comprehensive eh yeah good name well, a movie i haven't seen tootsie sorry you have not seen tootsie. i've never seen tootsie it's one of those movies that even when it came out in the 80s, again, the 80s, I was like, ah, I'll probably see that someday. Never have. <laughs> well, yeah, you should. If that's the only one, boy, you should finish that off. Anyhow. It's so irrelevant now. Well, that's the problem. Kind of like Braveheart. I don't want to see Braveheart because I feel like I missed the boat on Braveheart. And, you kind of uh, did. I kind of did. See, what, but go see Fargo or watch Fargo for crying out loud. All right, all right. You haven't missed the, uh, you haven't missed the boat on Fargo. Okay, I will do that. Someday, one of these days, I will. Uh, all right, so that's it for our Greg Nicotero Spotlight. Um, we do these over the summer, but now that the summer and the hiatus is done, that's it, of course. So uh, thanks for uh, checking that out with us, if you did. And if you have any thoughts on any of these movies, uh, send us an email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so, Jason, before we wrap it up, let's talk about the webisodes that were released uh, on October 1st, a week okay. ago today. These are the webisodes for, I guess they're season three of the webisodes. And uh, there were only three of them this time. I forget how many there were last year, but there were definitely more in the first year. Six. I don't know. I think there was four, and then was there six last year? Four in season one, six season two, and now three in season three. Um, anyways, that was it. There was just the three. There was just the three. Yeah. There's not going to be any more. That's it. They've I've seen them all now. You you have. Okay. They've I released... thought I was just watching the first part of them. No no no. That's it. That's the the entire story. Um. So these ones starred Ashley Bell and uh, some other people, including Ellen Green. Now she's been around 
uh, for a long time. She was in Pushing Daisies and Heroes, going back to The Professional. That's a great movie. And Miami Vice, speaking of the 80s, she was in Miami Vice. So um, I thought, so the, so the Oath, it's called The Oath, and it tells the story of a couple of characters who are trying to survive the very early Walking Dead zombie apocalypse by getting to medical stations that, that are marked on a map that they have. And they have to go to a few of them and eventually get to one where they do find a living survivor who um, they have some interaction with and I guess tries to help them <laughs> in a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what did you think of these webisodes? Did you like them more or worse than previous years or on their own? Do you think, think they stood as uh, quality viewing? I think uh, I like these uh, three webisodes the best out of all of the webisodes I've seen to date. Hey, I agree with you. I think yeah. these were the best too. Um, maybe because there were f less of them. I don't. I don't know if that's the reason. <laughs> uh, but I, just to review quickly, season one episode webisodes told the story of Bicycle Girl. Yeah. And I thought the acting in that was just horrific. It, it was, was horrendous. It was just yeah. really, really bad. And the second one, I think the acting was a little better, but the story was kind of weak. Right. These ones. I think we got it all. I think we got pretty good acting, pretty good yep. writing, decent story, and uh, it was short, so it sort of left you wanting more, right? <laughs> yes, and I think that uh, it's a very important kind of thing. I, I, I like the production was better. Yeah. Uh, the acting was better. Writing was better. Uh, you know, I like that actress, the one who played the doctor. Uh, I recognized her from all of those things that you uh, that you mentioned, and uh, I like her. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think that the that this is what a short story should be, right? It should be short. It's not supposed to be this long-spanning thing with multiple plot points. It's supposed to be just a kind of a, a slice of information, not uh, a, a complete story. Uh, well, it's a complete story, but not a complete overarching, you know, uh, either yeah. a movie with multiple acts and stuff like that. It's, this is what, in my mind, a short story should be. Just tell a story... Uh, get to the point and have a, hey, that's cool in it somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, a self-contained story doesn't have to be long, but it has to be, you know, make sense within its own context and things like that. And this one yeah. did. Yes. Um, I did think that in some ways it explored the same old themes that we get from everything in The Walking Dead. And I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, I guess. Kirkman has a vision for the themes of The Walking Dead and, you know, everything that he puts his name on sort of explores the same thing. But there was, uh, you know, a little bit of a new twist, at least in here, that I thought that we haven't really seen before. And I don't want to get into it because that would be giving it away. Um, but I was, it was kind of refreshing to see a slightly new um, twist on the th common themes of The Walking Dead. So that, right. that was good. And I mean, that was definitely part of it being, uh, being its own story and, uh, you know, trying to just do something new. Um, and then at the end, of course, you, you see it coming a, a mile away, but there is a pretty nice callback to uh, uh, an episode of the main show from season one, yep. right, right at the end. So uh, that was kind of nice to see, too. Um, there is one thing I want to talk about that is uh, kind of spoilery, though. So okay, I am going to spoil a little bit of The Oath, the webisodes. So if you don't want to hear that, skip ahead a little bit. Uh, right now so the spoiler is that our two characters get to this medical station where there's it's a hospital basically 
and it turns out that this is the same hospital that Rick wakes up in out of his coma in the pilot episode of The Walking Dead. Right. And they meet this living character there who's a doctor, and I guess she's there, and this is very, very early on in the apocalypse. And as we know, Rick was in the coma before the zombie outbreak happened and woke up after it. So he would have been there in that hospital room while the events of these webisodes were taking place, correct? Correct. Yet, that doesn't factor into this story at all. And you would think that the doctor... Do you think the doctor just didn't know he was there or it just wasn't important to this story and so they just sort of skipped over that? As soon as I realized that this was the same hospital that Rick woke up in and as soon as and we're like totally spoiling it. We're not just picking and choosing things we're spoiling, right? Like we're going to totally spoil it. Ah, uh, sure. Okay. So as soon as I saw the doors to the cafeteria with nothing painted on them, I yep. knew it was before Rick woke up. Yes. So Rick is there. He's in this hospital. They showed the hallway that Rick was in. And uh, I, my brain just assumed, hey, that's cool. This doctor was taking care of Rick for a while while he was in the coma. So it worked for you. So it kind of connected the dots a little bit in that one of the questions a lot of people have had is how did Rick survive in that hospital for so long in a coma? And right. now we know that there was a doctor there who was potentially taking care of him. Yes. The only problem with that is the doctor, um, you know, the way the story plays out in the oath here is that the doctor helps one of our characters commit suicide because she doesn't want to live in the zombie apocalypse. Right. Yet she's helping Rick, who's in a coma, who I guess can't make that decision for himself. Right. She had that whole, yeah, she had that whole rant was that, I. what do you mean, how dare I or whatever it was? Uh, I'm not making any decisions. Right. I am fulfilling somebody else's decisions. Rick is in a coma. He can't make any decisions, so the doctor is just going to take care of him. Right. Keep him alive until, I guess, he gets to a state where he can make a decision for himself. Right. Yeah. Um, Well, I I suppose that works thematically, and it works with the story we saw. And and you're right. It was kind of just neat to know, to fill in that blank a little bit and to know that there were other things happening in that hospital while Rick was lying there in a coma. Yeah, and the only the only uh, two things I had uh, that kind of breaks that you know continuity for me was one when the guy was stumbling down the hallway, he stood up and grabbed the doorknob, and right. I was thinking, "Don't go in there, you'll see Rick." <laughs> right? So we can't have I, that. I, we can't have that because I know Rick is not in these webisodes. Uh, Andrew Lincoln, I don't think would have. Well, it would have been cool if he showed up and he just opened the door and there was a guy in a coma. And it's like, oh my God, it's Andrew Lincoln. Mm-hmm. That would have been cool. But I didn't think that that was going to happen. And I'm like, don't go in there. The only other thing was that uh, during the first outbreak of the zombie apocalypse, Shane shows up at the at the hospital and puts a cart in front. Right. And then when Rick wakes up, wakes up, there's a cart in front of the door. During these webisodes, there's no cart in front of the door. Well, unless we don't see his door. We don't know for sure that that guy walked past his door. Yeah, well, that's the only assumption we have to make. But I think uh, I'd have to go back and watch the pilot. That's uh, the only thing to do is to go back and watch the pilot and figure out if you can see if the same <coughs> door is there. That's right. And we yeah, do know. But that- I don't want to. I don't want to nitpick too much because I'm going to go back and I'm going to see that the painting on like when they painted uh, "Don't Open Dead Inside" on the doors isn't. Quite they're going to the be same. different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to let that go. So I might as well let this go. That's true. That is true. Sometimes it's better to just look away. <laughs> and let it wash over you as one yeah. big wave of awesomeness. Doctor took care of Rick. He's still there. Perfect. 
All right. So I, yeah, these webisodes were the best uh, ones we've seen to date. So um, highly recommend you go and check them out. Mm -hmm. And with that, uh, I have a little bit of listener feedback. I think we'll save that for next time because we're okay. uh, pretty super long here. Um, I'll just read one, really one really quick, because I think, Jason, it, it is appropriate to you. You didn't read one off the top. We didn't have a uh, listener feedback of the week. No, because I've been doing I've been doing short story excerpts instead. And this is the first time I've noticed? It is. It is. <clears throat> That's thanks. not true. Thanks. You've done listener feedback of the week and an excerpt from the short story contest. No, I've been doing short story contest entries instead of listener feedback of the week, which I guess we'll get into again next week, probably. I disbelieve that. Well, go back and listen. And maybe, I am. I'm going to go back. Maybe I'm wrong. <clears throat> uh, okay, if we're going to do one listener feedback, I should at least play this. Listener feedback. So this is an email from Paul on the internet, and he's, he writes, I'm surprised Jason didn't see what the new threat is, which isn't huh. exactly walkers and isn't other people. Obviously, Jason, it's the lich. It's a lich, yeah, with a dinosaur. <laughs> no, the lich controls the dinosaurs, right? Yeah, well, he's with the dinosaur. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess you have to be with one to control it. Yeah. Uh, so there you have it. It's obviously the lich. I, I'll take that as a uh, valid criticism, and uh, you're right. A, it is a lich. A point of fact, actually. Yeah. <laughs> until, pro until otherwise proven next week, for now, we're going to say it's lich. Uh, all righty, that's going to wrap up this podcast. Everyone, if you want to contact us before... The season four premiere episode next week. You can give us a call at one eight six six four eight three ZOMB. That's eight six six four eight three nine six six two. A quick reminder about our phone line. Uh, on Sunday nights, the phone line gets shut down between the hours of let's say uh, about eight. Do you remember if I closed it at eight or nine? I think it was nine. Okay, from eight, uh, sorry, <laughs> from nine, <laughs> from nine, come on, brain, uh, between nine and midnight, we're going to close our phone line to calls because too many people are watching AMC's Talking Dead and calling our phone number. There were times last season where we got 400 calls during that time period, all of which were for that show. And uh, the easiest way to deal with it is just to close the phone line. So if you want to send us a message, which I, I sincerely hope you do. Give us a call either before 9 o'clock on Sundays or, of course, anytime the rest of the week or after midnight um, <clears throat> because otherwise you won't get through. It's just a nece necessity, unfortunately, since AMC, that other show, shares our name. And sadly, to add, you know, to add to the confusion, it's also hosted by a guy named Chris. So Yeah. <laughs> well, we could, uh, we could do what uh, most advertisers do. Call us anytime. Some restrictions apply. Exactly. And those restrictions are 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern time on Sunday nights. Uh, and if you call us, we'll send you a check for $5. Checks will not be honored. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Simpsons quote. We're not sending you anything. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, Just a joke. Our Facebook page and our Twitter account are open 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year, though, providing those sites are up. And you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And, of course, the email address works all the time to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Another quick reminder, one thing we like to do 
during the season, which of course starts next week, as I've said a thousand times, is holy crap, did you see that? Oh, yeah. So we are going to get back into that, of course. So after you see next week's episode, shoot us an email, give us a call with your holy crap, did you see that moments, and uh, we get as many of them as we can on the podcast each week. So uh, make sure you don't forget to do that, because that's one of my favorite parts, I think. On one hand, it's just fun to sort of relive all the holy crap stuff you know, that you saw in the episode, but it's also a good opportunity to pick out little things that you might have missed, right? That other people saw. Yeah. So it's really, really fun. Send those moments to uh, 1-866-483-ZOMB or TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget, our short story contest winner will be announced next week. I'm really excited to do that. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really going to be really going to be fun to do that. And uh, we'll be back to the regular schedule. Regular, um, what do they say on TV? Our regularly scheduled program. Regular programming. Something like regular that. Regular scheduled program, I believe, is the, uh, the correct term. Is the correct term. All righty. Well, that's it uh, for The Talking Dead. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.